0: I know you get so excited at seeing the other people in the church, and it's good that you're excited to see others in the church. It's good to, because the church is about encouraging one another. We need that encouragement. We need that strengthening so that when we go out from this place today, we are full of Jesus, and we're ready to go and face the people around us and all the circumstances around us. So it's encouraging to be here. It's a real privilege for us to have Pastor Mark Daniel with us here from Florida this morning. He's known. To many of us, because he has been here before, maybe if you're new here, then you're thinking, well, I've never met him before. So I just want to say to you, first of all, Mark is a dear friend of mine. We have worked together and known each other for many years. But Mark isn't just a oh, an American preacher that's popped over here. In the Bible, it talks about the church being founded on apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and all those sorts of things. They're found, that's what the church is founded on. And Mark, for me and for us, is like an apostle. He comes amongst us, and he has spent time with me and Clive, and we've met with various people in the church this week. And it's about giving us apostolic insight. And he is here to help us as a church, to encourage us, to add to our foundations, to pour a little bit more concrete into our foundations, to mention to us sometimes when we're not in the right place. It works both ways. It's not just all like, hey, you're doing a great job. Sometimes there's a little bit of adjustment and help that's necessary. And Mark, we're very grateful to you for that. So let's welcome Mark as he comes to preach to us this morning.
1: Thank you. Amen. It's a joy to be here. I I can't count how many times I've been here. Um, It's been a long time. I know I, I first met you in 2000 five or six, something like that. So it's been maybe a dozen years or so, but it's very very much an honor to be here. And I was thinking as I was here, how much what I've seen in these last several years as this church has been transforming. I mean, I love the diversity that's in this church. Do you love that? I love that. My church is very diverse. I love that. I mean, there's like 25 nations in my church. We translate two languages every Sunday. Uh, And I love that because that's the kingdom of God. And you love seeing that. You love seeing the gifts begin to flow and people beginning to walk in their callings and purpose. So it is a great honor to be here uh, with you. And I'm very honored uh, with Pastor Jonathan and Helen. They take me in their house and take care of me and, and make sure I'm fed and all these other things. So thank you so much for taking care of me. I wanted to share a word with you today Um, And in some ways, it's simple, but in other ways, many people aren't experiencing it. One of the things that has impacted me is that somewhere in my teenage years, I, I didn't want rhetoric. I wanted reality. And I feel like in Christianity, it's easy to have the words but not have the reality. It's easy to talk about things but not really experience them. We can talk about his love. All we want, yet we feel alone, or we feel less than, inferior, or somehow distant. And so I began to really want, I want the reality of these things. If Jesus died to give me not just the words, but the actual uh, power of these realities. And I want to talk about a word a little bit in the beginning here that I think we've all said but i think sometimes we partially understand and that's the word salvation now jesus christ came to save us it says in hebrews to the uttermost it's not just because when you many times you come to christ you experience him saving you from a sins or patterns of sin that you may be in at that time in your life but you realize your salvation was not just back there in 19 whatever it was that it's something that is to be ongoing. Are you with me here? His saving is ongoing. He's saving you from some things today. Saving you from fear or saving you from anxiety or saving you from lust today. And you, you realize when I began to understand the word salvation, and I don't think I have it all down, I began to realize there's so much more to it than I had put to it because I kind of saw salvation as the forgiveness of my sins and that was basically the fullness that I saw. I want to read a passage to you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. It says, If we are in Christ, that the old has passed away And all things have become new. We are a new person. This is something that we get with salvation. It's not that we're just getting a ticket to heaven. It's not that we just got our debt that we owed God canceled. We got much more than that. You were in darkness, you were in the kingdom of darkness, bound to darkness, no hope, and now he's brought you into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of heaven. We were alien from God, separated from God, but now we've been brought near. We were spiritually dead, not able to know God, connect to God, but now we've been made spiritually alive. I mean, so much has happened in us coming into Christ. When we come into Christ, we were orphans on our own, having to fight our own battles, but now we're sons and daughters. You realize that we were victims to the powers of darkness, but now there were more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. There should be no power of darkness that we are a victim to in Christ. You see, the Bible is telling us that when you come to Christ, you don't just get something, you become something new. You begin to be transformed into someone who did not exist before. Are you with me? We want the reality of this, not just the words of this. We become and get a new nature. You have a new standing before God. You have a new identity. You have His riches, His inheritance, His righteousness. And it's not something you have to strive to get. It's not something you have to beg God for. It's not something you have to say, God, please, please help me overcome this. No, I am in Christ. The one that's in me is greater than the one that is in the world and that opposes me. I have authority. I have power. I have a way to rise up and stand. I realize that you can't earn or buy your inheritance. I, I was adopted. And so, uh, long, long story, I don't need to know why I was adopted, but I, I was adopted, so I was brought into a family. I didn't have to do anything to earn my standing in that family. I had full standing in that family because I had become a part of that family. So I was raised as a son. I paid for, I paid for my college. They paid for my clothes. They paid for my medical care. They loved me, treated me as a son. There were four children. Three were adopted, and the last one was born in, natural, in the natural way. But I was not treated as a second-class son. I was treated as a much-loved son because I was brought into that family. I didn't have to earn that standing. I didn't have to try to do something to merit that favor. I was given it because I was brought into that family. Somebody say amen. amen. You can't buy that. You can't earn that. And because you are in Christ... Because you're in Christ, these things are given to you. There's nothing you do to hope to get them more. They are yours because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus did, now I have these as mine. But sometimes we're not standing on them and taking them as ours. Are you with me? One of the things that I noticed, because years ago, and I know some of you are aware of this, I began noticing, especially in the book of Ephesians, how many times it said the phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And so I started paying attention and writing those down. And you realize the Bible's telling us because you were dead in your sins and trespasses, but now you've been brought into a new standing with a new nature. You have a new identity. You are now in Christ. The old is gone. You're in the new. The new has come. And it started, so I started jotting these things down. And, and there's there's really so many of these. I've seen so many lists of these, but I'm just gonna run through these. In Christ, I am the light of the world. In Christ, I am the salt of the earth. In Christ, I am chosen by Christ to bear spiritual fruit. I am a son of God, and God is my father. I'm a joint heir. Do you know what that means? That everything that belongs to Christ belongs to me. Are you with me? I am the temple of God, the dwelling place of God. His Spirit dwells in me. I am chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. I am justified, completely forgiven, made righteous. I have received the Spirit of God in me that I may know the things of God. I may approach God with boldness, freedom, and and confidence because of Christ and what He has done. I've been made complete in Christ. I lack no faith to fulfill my calling and purpose because I've been given a measure of faith. I may, Satan has no right to have any supremacy over me. No stronghold over me because Jesus Christ dwells within me and he has defeated all the works of the devil. See, these truths are things that should be our reality because they're ours in salvation. One of the things that I realize, because I think all humans, we are flawed, we have ways that we think that are not the way that is the truth of God. And so I had a wanting to gain approval or acceptance, to be embraced. So I was trying to earn that and earn that. In my early years with Christ, I was constantly feeling like I was not good enough. I was not doing enough. That there is always ways I could have done more or been better or accomplished more or shared my faith more or read more or prayed more or done something better. And so I always felt like God was displeased with me until I came to realize that my right to go boldly before God is not based on me. It's based on the blood that Jesus shed. And it's my confidence in that blood that it satisfied the holiness of God, that it cleansed my guilty conscience, and that that's the only The only thing that allows me to come boldly into the presence of a holy God is Jesus Christ. My best day doesn't earn me the right to be there. It is what he's done. And my trusting in what he's done. So I want to talk for a minute about what I feel like is a foundational sense of standing on who we are in Christ. I really believe the fight of faith is brought down to three things. I got to believe God is who he says he is. I've got to believe that because all hell tries to get me to doubt God's love, doubt God's faithfulness, doubt God's power, doubt God's control, doubt God's got it, and I've got to stand and hold up the word of God. I've got to believe I am who he says I am. I've got to believe that I am because if I believe that I'm, I'm spiritually weak, inferior, I can't do much, then I'll live that way. But if I believe that I have been adopted, accepted, I have been chosen, I I didn't even choose him, he chose me and appointed me to bear fruit, that he has a calling, a purpose on my life, and that I can live in his power and authority, then I'll live like that. And i got to believe that he'll do what he said he'll do. If you fight to stand in those three things, you begin to live what the Bible says instead of feeling like I'm not even touching the reality. So I want to talk about one thing that God says you are and that I am. And that we really lock that down in our hearts. Because I believe it changes everything. I believe it's one of the most fundamental things. Now the Bible says, you realize that Jesus said, no one knows the Father except the Son. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And he said, you can't know God. God is so far beyond human minds that you cannot comprehend Him. The moment you try to fit God into our finite mind, we've just reduced Him, and we made Him. It's like I have a granddaughter that's three. Her concept of the world is is very small. She doesn't understand so many things. My concept of God is very small. The only way I come to know God, Jesus says, is if the Son reveals Him to me. When the Son reveals the Father, I come to know the truth of who God is. So Jesus Christ not only came to the earth to die and to pay the price for our sins and to rise again, but he came to reveal God to us. He came to show us who God really is because people start worshiping all kinds of things. They get all kinds of concepts. In my land, people get a little bit of the Bible. They get a little bit of Oprah. They get a little bit of this person. They get a little bit of that. They put all that together, and they let that form their view of God. It's so flawed. You can't know God. Jesus says no one knows the Father except the Son and who he chooses to reveal him. You're even, it says no one comes to the Father unless he draws them. He draws them. So Jesus Christ came to reveal God to us. And the thing that's amazing is Jesus, when he came here, how did he refer to God? Because he could have called him the creator, could have called him the holy one, the sovereign Lord who reigns supreme over all. He could have called, but Jesus used one word to describe God his entire life, and it was father. It was father. The only time that Jesus did not refer to God as Father is when he hung on the cross and he was bearing the weight of our sin and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the only time, but all other times, Jesus referred to God as Father. And then, even when he taught the disciples, he was teaching us how to pray. I think one of the key things, especially you realize in the Old Testament, they did not talk about God as Father. Jesus, the son, brought this revelation to us. And when they said, how can we pray? The key question is, how do we address God? When we go before God, what do we call him? And Jesus said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're approaching your father. Yes, he's creator. Yes, he's almighty. Yes, he's holy. Yes, he's all these things. But you're coming before God as your father. To understand that, to begin to feel that, it begins to realize I'm telling you, this changes your faith, your prayer every aspect of your reading, when it begins to become God is not just a distant deity. He is not just a lawgiver. He's not just the, the judge we will stand before on that final day. He is my Father, and He chose to father me. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Listen to this. This verse has two things that I think are important. It tells us that there is a way, one way, and there is a destination. Jesus said, I'm the way, and the destination is the Father. The destination is for him to bring you to the Father. That you allow God to father you. Are you hearing me? To allow him to personally father you. That God's choosing, I want to play the role as a father to you. Not just a judge, a father. And I think a lot of people know Jesus as the way, but they're not letting him take him to the Father. The intimacy of the Father, the confidence of a Father who loves me and cares for me. See, a lot of us face hurt in life. I, I, I've been a pastor too long to not realize that nobody goes untouched from pain. Nobody goes untouched from tragedy or loss or Hurtful things. I mean, you look around the world and you see the abuse that has come, the neglect that has come, the rejection that has come, all these things that come in. And you realize it's not just that people, because we're in a sin-stained world, have done harm to us, but we also have an enemy of our soul who takes that harm and then tries to speak Death over us. He tries to attack our sense of who we really are. See, nobody loves you. See, you're always going to be alone. See, you'll never accomplish anything. See, you got an enemy who takes the harm and tries to speak death and tries to speak destruction. And he tries to speak these negative things over your soul. And when you're young, many times you don't even realize how they came into your heart and put a put a, a doubt in there, put a pain in there, put something in there. And I'm saying to you, the greatest thing that heals and transforms the heart is coming to know God as your Father. The acceptance of your Father, the security of your Father, the the embracing and the intimacy of God as your Father. Not head knowledge. I'm talking about when that comes into your heart, it transforms you. Now I don't know all the way the spiritual forces work, but I do know that they, they have targets for each of us. And it's like they call them familial spirits. They're, they're aiming. They're, they're like, they're trying to sell you a negative narrative about yourself, about your future, about your relationship with people and about your relationship with God. And that negative narrative is something that he's working on all the time. And for me, I had a negative narrative. I had some sense of where I felt alone. Some people say it was because I was adopted. And even from the womb, I was rejected and not wanted. I don't know. Some people said because other things I'd gone through in my life. Because so, but I, all I know is I felt alone. No matter if I had a lot of friends, no matter if I had people around me, I felt like even I was not getting enough of something to break that aloneness that was in my heart. So I would be alone even though I had friends, even though I had a wife, even though I had children, even though I had a congregation. I would feel alone. And nobody could make that aloneness go away. And it ached my soul. I carried it all the time. I sometimes would be frustrated with people because it would be like, why can't you give me more so this pain goes away? I know all of us have thought this way a time or two. And that never left Until one day, I encountered God as my father. When that letting him draw near to me and receive me and accept me. Because there's sometimes we almost reject this love. Because we think I'm not worthy. But I remember I was sitting there. I was in prayer. I wasn't even seeking to know him in this way. But I remember as I was praying, I saw the imagery of the prodigal son in my mind of the father standing there with open arms and I was like having the point of view of the prodigal son feeling unworthy feeling I don't deserve this but I could see the father with his arms and I just ran in my mind's eye to him and allowed him to wrap his arms around me and I cried I cried the hardest I'd ever cried and the words that I said as I cried is I've been looking for this my whole life. I've been looking for this my whole life. I cried for like 40, 45 minutes, and I cried, and it felt like layers of pain, layers of this this stuff that I don't even know what it was or how it got there, but you know you carry it. You carry it. I mean, I know people that are in their 80s, and they're still trying to prove that there's something. Why are they still trying to do that? They accomplish things in their life. Why are they still trying to validate themselves? Because, friends, I'm telling you, there is a place that only allowing God to be your father and receiving that love, that it can begin to satisfy these deep things inside of us. I honestly believe there's abandonment issues there's isolation issues there is rejection issues there's a searching for significant issues there are scars that have come from abuse and pain that nobody can heal but except letting the father father you and receiving that see this is the fundamental truth god is my loving father and i am his much loved child i belong to him He chose me. I am his and he is mine. I'm not alone. I'm not forsaken. I'm not forgotten. I'm not unloved. I'm not unwanted or unworthy. He chose to father me. Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 through 7 says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who cries out, Abba, Daddy, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but you're God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. You're chosen. You're accepted. You're adopted. You're redeemed. You're dearly loved. And many people, that may be a truth that they know. Let's, okay. That may be a truth that they know in their mind, yet in their heart, it's like it's never broken through. Are you with me? It's like their hearts have never let that touch them, never let that come to them. Understanding this is really beginning to allow God. To father you. I may know him as a father, but I don't allow him to be my father. I don't allow him to play a role as my father. I live as though I am an orphan. I live as though I'm on my own, got to fight my own way, figure out my own way. I've got to try to hold my own self up. I do not have a father who is ready to receive me, care for me, and lead me. So I want to talk about three benefits of knowing God as father. The first one is personal identity. All around us, people have struggled. With, I mean, we seem to be coming into a day and time when people struggle with what their identity is. And they're beginning to become identity less. And so people struggle with their identity and they seem to be saying, hey, Uh, I'm struggling with this anxiety. I'm struggling with this negative self-image. I'm struggling with this need to feel accepted or not rejected or all this. And they're trying to find a way through all of that. But I'm saying to you that knowing God as my Father is the only way you begin to come into your true identity. Trying to get people to validate you will never work. they never work. Sometimes they hold you up. Sometimes they pull you down. Sometimes they think you're great. Sometimes they don't think you're much at all. That's just the way people are. People will always be that way. One time some people were complimenting a message I had given, and some guy said, how do you not get a big head listening to that? And I said, there's plenty on the other side. I don't ever have to worry about that. You realize, I, I really wish we could see that the enemy is trying to create in us a great sense of a negative identity. He's trying to tear down who we are, as a, who we think we are as a mom, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a Christian, as an employee. In all these ways, he's attacking. Now, some of us act like, nah, he didn't attack me. Like, we got it, man. I'm, I'm confident in who I am. But I've found those people also struggle, they just try to act like they don't. And like they're all got it all together, yet inside they're pushing themselves so hard because they're trying to prove, see, I am worthy in some way or another. And you realize, I, I, you realize God gave us in Christ what we needed to stand against this attack of the devil. He gave us, and it is to come in and realize, I have a father. I belong to Him. I am not unwanted. You want the evidence, devil? It's because He adopted me. He chose me. He brought me and made me His own. And as you begin to embrace that, then that means God's love, God's acceptance, God's declaration of who you are begins to find place in you. Instead of those negative things, finding voice inside of you, it begins to find place in you. It begins to find standing in you. It begins to be like something you hold up against those negative attacks that want to tear you down. Without accepting His acceptance, without accepting His love, it's like you're standing on your own like an orphan. Like an orphan trying to say, no, no, no. I'm okay. And yet you don't even hardly hold it strong because you have your own doubts. I realize that this orphan spirit is very much something that people in the church walk in. And I want to compare this and contrast an orphan spirit to a spirit of sonship or daughtership, okay? If you're walking in an orphan spirit, you operate out of insecurity and a low view of yourself. Maybe not in every area, but a lot of areas. When you really operate and really receive God being your father, then you walk in a sense of acceptance and knowing that you're loved. I mean, I never doubt any day that I pray, whether I had a terrible day or a great day, that I can come boldly into his grace and to his throne room. I never doubt that. I would never reject my children to come to me, no matter if they had a terrible time or a great time. And he's a way better father than me. He's a way better father than me. And yet many of us, and I want to tell you, the thing that changes people the most is when they begin to trust and accept God's acceptance. Because your insecurity begins to shrink, diminish. The thing that I feel like that is the least attractive thing about us is our insecurity. Sincerely. I watch people when they start to get secure in God, they become beautiful. They don't have that mixture. You know how some people may have a gift, but they're doing it to validate themselves, and that mars that gift. Or they may have a real way to serve, but they're doing it to get approval, and it mars the gift. And when you come to stand in that security of him being my father, and I've been drawn and accepted as a son and a daughter, it begins to take away that insecurity. When you have an orphan spirit, you're... You're always comparing to other people and worried about where they're rising or falling or what approval or attention they're getting. But when you walk in the spirit of a son and daughter, then you begin to be, you want to bless, you want to see all people rise up because you are secure in your standing. When you really have an orphan spirit, you serve God to earn His love, His acceptance. I mean, you're really hoping that God's noticing, God, I did this, God, I did that, God, I did that. I, 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 It breaks my heart when I see people trying to earn something that's freely given to them. But when you come in as a spirit of son and daughter, you know that you're accepted in love. You serve God because you love Him, because you want to glorify Him. It's not to earn anything because I've already got it. When you're walking in an orphan spirit, you struggle with your you struggle with frustration, anxiety. You, you are very offendable. Are you with me? Things can really discourage you easily. It's kind of like your emotional state is like this. But when you live in the, the, really the spirit of sonship and daughtership, you have a security in the Lord. It doesn't matter if the applause today and booze tomorrow. It doesn't matter if I think they said this or that. I know whose palm of their hand I'm in. It's my Father's. It's not just God's. It's my Father's. If you look at this, I'm going to go on, but if you look at this, like if you really walk in an orphan spirit, then you don't feel comfortable taking your flaws, your struggles, your weaknesses, your uh, broken areas to God. I know a lady one time, she would take her sins to Jesus, but she'd tell him not to tell the Father. She did not have a right concept of God. God is your Father. He's chosen to love you and accept you as His own. He has chosen to come to you. And when we don't receive that, then we walk in the Spirit as an orphan. And we literally go through this life as though we're having to beg God for love, beg God for favor, beg God for help instead of aware that he chose to father us. He didn't have to do that. Instead of living as people that are loved and, and, and been... Because he said he gave us the spirit of adoption, that he literally brought us in. That should cause us to feel like we belong. That we belong to him. That we have the right as sons and daughters to come before our Father, not because of our merits but because of what Jesus Christ has done when you live in an orphan spirit you have feelings of inadequacy, insecurity, not measuring up, unworthiness. Your prayers are more like you're begging and pleading instead of your coming there connecting and intimate with the God that chose you and adopted you. When you see God as your loving Father who delights in you, then you want to be with Him. You do not have to beg a son or daughter to spend time with their father. They want to be with their father. They trust Him. Literally, they realize the enemy is trying to get me to doubt my Father. I'm not going with that. I'm going to fight the fight of faith and keep my eyes and my trust on the Father. The second benefit, if we allow God to be our Father, is true acceptance. First John chapter 3 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. I love that. It's what great love. It's like he's pouring it out. It's overflowing. It's so great. That we should be called children of God. Now, what John is saying in my mind is that he is amazed at God's love. And he's saying like this. To be made right with God the judge is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for and cherished by God the Father is so much more. It's so much more. To have my debt paid for and my sins forgiven by the holy God is a glorious thing. But to experience the deep affection and acceptance of God as my Father is even a greater thing. Do you see the difference? God chose to be your Father. He did not have to do that. He did not have to receive us as sons or daughters. He could have just been a judge who pardons us. He could have just been one that says, your debt is canceled, you'll be welcome into my kingdom. I am the king, and I give you a pardon. He didn't do that. He went further. He said, not only do I pardon you, forgive you, but I invite you to come and be a son and a daughter that I love, that I cherish, that I choose to guard, protect, and lead, and guide through these days upon this earth. And I give you the assurance of home in heaven with me for all eternity. God has given us the gift of sonship and daughtership. And sometimes we sing, like we did today, I am a child of God, but we live as though we're an orphan, having to beg God to care for us or to help us. When you and I experience God as our Father, knowing that He has unfailing love, His love cannot fail. His love cannot fail. David stood on that. David called it, whether your translation is steadfast love, unfailing love, whatever it says. David stood upon it and God said, that's a man after my heart. He's standing on my love. He's banking his life on my love for him. John 1.12 says, you who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave you the right to be children of God. You have the rights as sons and daughters. I love this next verse in Romans. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live lives in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That negative narrative will only begin to die down when you begin to listen to the Spirit of God and begin to receive the love of God and begin to receive the, the, Him speaking those words as a father would speak over a child, of blessing and of favor of care. And He said, Now, if you are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Listen to this. He not only forgave you, But he adopted you, and he made you an heir. That's a full adoption. This is not like you're a foster child. Are you hearing me? It's not like you're an unloved child that, you know, you've seen in some cases where someone marries someone else, and their children are his children, and they don't love each other. It's not like that. He said, I've made you an heir, a joint heir with Jesus. The way I love Jesus, I love you. The way you saw me walk and father with Jesus, I'll do that with you. That's what you stand on. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. When you became a Christian, you probably didn't understand that. You knew your sins were forgiven. You maybe have known that God was giving you mercy and grace. But maybe you didn't know that you were adopted and made his own. That he was committing himself to you as a father. That he'd never leave you. He'll never forsake you. That he was desiring to be your father. That he's telling you, you can relate to me as your father. You can come to me as a father whose arms are open to you. That I will cherish you and love you. That I will receive you. I honestly think the thing that makes you the very best parent you can be is when you let God father you. Because when his mercy and grace meets you in your middle of your sin, you find a way to meet your children in the middle of their struggle and their places. When he begins to believe in you, when you don't even believe in yourself, you find a way to believe in them, even though they've been struggling for two years with the same thing. You find a way to begin to parent that you've never been able to parent because you're receiving something you never got from human beings. You're receiving something that comes from God's heart and God's life as you allow Him to be a father to you. I honestly believe that because this orphan spirit, we live as though asking God, trying to involve God in our daily life, trying to do all of that. We don't want to bug Him. We don't want to put that on him. We should be able to do this ourselves. We should be able to figure this out ourselves. We should, how many parents have wished their children would stop learning the hard way and they would come and say, how do you do this, Dad? Why can't I get through this, Mom? Anybody in here know that feeling? Only one. I think I saw two. How much more do you think God is saying, I wish you'd let me father you? In the midst of this, I wish you would turn to me instead of listening to that negative recording that the enemy plays over you. And you'd believe that you are who I say you are. When you begin to walk in that acceptance, you literally find it's like your legs become a bronze pillar. I'm not swayed about and tossed by everything that's flying around. I can walk and go forward in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 through 4 and 5 said He's chosen us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus. God is not some distant architect in the universe who remains light years away pondering the glory of His creation. He's a loving Father who involved, who desires to lead and father you personally. When we would come to know that and welcome that, you would find comfort and strength. You will find guidance and wisdom. You will find a shelter in the midst of whatever you face. You will not feel alone because you will be walking as one who is connecting to your Father. Who am I? God is my Father, and I'm a much-loved child. That's who I am. That's a foundation of who I am. If I believe that and accept that, I walk in something that's a lot more solid Then if I walk as though I'm on my own, trying to do the best I can, hoping that God will receive that. Let me look at the last thing briefly. If I really allow God to father me, I begin to know what it is to be really secure, totally secure. That I am secure. I think that is, people's insecurity comes out different ways. Some people panic. Some people Pity themselves. Some people get discouraged easily. Some people try to control everything because they're, they're basically insecure. We all do different things to try to secure ourselves. But you know at the core of a human being there is insecurity. At the core of a human being. We can't control the world. We can't control people. We have a hard time even trying to control ourselves. We've got no control. In and of it, you know inside yourself, I can't I can't make sure the economy goes this way. I don't even know that I can make sure of this amount of money or this investment or whatever it is. I don't have control. And because of that, we lack security. And we go around with insecurity, lacking peace, lacking those things. One of the things that impresses me, because Jesus came to reveal the Father to us, and one of the ways that I think he revealed the Father to us the most was By the way, he walked with the Father. Do you ever see Jesus panicking? Do you ever see Jesus uh, running around? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Ah, what's happening here? Even when they picked up stones to kill him, it says he walked through the crowd because he knew his time had not yet come. He knew the Father's in control. Even when the wind and the waves are beating and all the fishermen are saying, we're going to die, we're going to die, Jesus is sleeping and resting at peace. And then he wakes up and says, oh, you of little faith. Don't you know the Father's in control? You watch the way he trusted the Father. He had confidence in the Father's ability to see him all the way through. It didn't mean that he didn't have challenges or that he didn't have opposition or he didn't have difficulty. He did. He faced all kinds of things. He would sit there and get a demon-possessed person that has a legion of demons. Some of us would be, oh, my God, what are we going to do with that? Jesus just went in. He even said, the works you see me do, they're not me, they're the Father. I just trust Him. And I'm saying to you, your ministry can go to a whole different level when you trust the Father your life can go to a whole different level. Because I tell you what, everybody panicking, nobody's seeing what the Lord is saying and going through. We're all just being stopped. The enemy's buffeting us, entangling us, twisting us up, knocking us down, putting us in the same pit over and over again because we're not trusting that the Father's got us. And there's no thing the enemy can do because he cannot thwart the purposes of God. All hell can make it feel like we're not going to make it. But I know we're going to the other side because the Father, is. that's where he says we're going there's a security in the father you don't panic you don't try to run in and do all that you do you literally can rest assured that the one who called me is faithful and he will see me through Jesus said in Matthew 10 29 are not two sparrows sold for a penny are not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the father the father knows even when a sparrow who's not even worth but a penny He's not worth anything. But even the father notices when that one falls to the ground. And he goes on and says in two verses later, how much more valuable are you than that sparrow? There's nothing that goes on in your life that he's unaware of. There's nothing that he will not be there. I, I remember when I was a little child, we had gone to a sporting event and I got separated from my father and I was panicking. Because it was like those big stadiums, and I was lost and I couldn't find him. But I remember the moment I saw him and I felt his arms wrap around me, it was all okay. There are times in which only you coming into your father and knowing he will never leave me, he will never forsake me, he will never forsake me. And you meet him in that place and you feel him wrap his love around you. And you can stand up and say, all right, now, what's the way through? What's the way through? Because I want to go through. You know, the thing I want to do to end the service is this. I really want you to come into the place that you can say, Father, I want you to father me. I want you to open my heart. I want you to touch those places that I've closed off, locked down. I want it to go way deeper than it's been going. And I'm asking you, open my eyes. Open my heart. I honestly believe that some of us, that cry that can begin to form right now, maybe it will be answered a week from now, or maybe it will be answered this evening, or maybe you'll have a dream, or maybe what what you're saying is, what you promised me, I want to live in and take hold of. I don't want, To miss what Jesus Christ died to give me. I don't earn this, I don't merit. Something to reach. This is freely given to all who are born again. So you're not begging God to give you something, He's reluctant to give. But you need to open your heart because some of us can just stand back and stay like an orphan. Whether we think we're not worthy, whether we think we just want to stay mad at the way life has been whether we want to live in our woundedness, whatever it may be that wants to hold us back, we need to say, no, no. I want you to father me. I want it to go deeper. I want it to heal insecurities. I want it to transform me. I want to start living like a much-loved child and know that I'm assured of your glad welcome. So let's rise up. And if you really have that prayer in your heart, I want you to raise your hand up. Just raise your hand up to God, to the Father right now. Just raise it up. Some of us are men that we're literally realizing we've not let him father us. And we need to humble ourselves in saying, God, I need it. I need you to father me. I need you to lead me. I need you to walk me in further than I can go. I just need you to take hold, take charge. I can't get there with my own wisdom. I can't get there with my own efforts. I can't get past certain points. So Father, I want to say, and I release myself to you, take me where I can't take myself. Take me beyond the sticking points. Take me beyond the fears, the wounds, the insecurities, the lies, the doubts. Break through that negative voice of the enemy that's tried to speak over my identity, my future, who I am. God, I want to walk in the truth of the identity Jesus Christ gave me. Even your own mouth start to come into agreement. I want to know you in a more intimate way as Father. I want to know your fatherly love. I want to know your full acceptance. I want to know I am secure in your hand. I want to know what it means, Lord, to really see me as a much-loved daughter, as a much-loved son. Begin to let your voice out. Break through the wounds, the rejection, the aloneness, the isolation. Break through the insecurity. the inferiorities. inferiorities. Break through those things that have been like a dark cloud trying to hold me back and pin me down. That have been trying to change my personality. That have been trying to reduce my impact. That have been trying to hold love back from me. God I want to say break through my mindsets, Break through my attitudes. Break through the lies that have been put over me. Jesus Christ you died so that I could live in a spirit of a sonship and daughtership. You died so that I can know what it means to have the Father's embrace and His acceptance. Tell God right now, I don't want to stay in this orphan spirit. I tell this orphan spirit, get behind me in the name of Jesus. Woundedness, get behind me. I want to come to the Father. Talk to Him. Keep speaking to Him right now. Just Just keep talking to Him. Let your voice be heard. Let your voice come to the One that chose you, adopted you. I want to ask some of the people that are leaders here to come to the front. I believe there's people that want to come down and say, hey, pray for me. Pray for this breakthrough in me. Just, Jonathan, get a few people. Just, we, I want you to come and say, I want you to pray. I want this orphan spirit broken. I want the love, the acceptance, the security of Christ to just begin to come and flow in my heart. It says if two or more were gathered together in agreement that he's there. So I want you to step out. If you just really want say, please pray with me right now. I want to come and see God's hand come in and touch something deep in my heart. Step out now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. I know the Lord is moving. Just come and allow them to begin to pray with you. Allow them just to begin to lay hands and just pray for you. Father, we set our eyes upon You. We draw unto You. We do not want to listen to the noise around. Lord, even let these passages that we've read, God, let us begin to rise up in faith. This is the Word of God. This is the counsel of God. This is the truth of God. It's not wishful thinking. It's not me just trying to... To say something to myself. This is the truth of what Jesus died for. I am adopted. I do belong to you. You are my father. I am your much loved child. I belong to you because of Jesus Christ. I may cry out to you, Abba, Daddy, Daddy do a work in me. I do not want to live in distant and remote and disconnected from you. I want to come in. I want to know the fullness of your embrace. I want to know the fullness of your acceptance, your security, and your love. I want to know the fullness of who you created me to be. I want to walk in the fullness of my true identity. I don't want to go around with these mars, these blots, these stains, the enemy's trying to speak over me. I'm praying by the blood of Jesus Christ. You break every lie. You break every generational sin. Everything that's been in my family that's been trying to hang on to me. I want to walk in the truth of who you are and who I am. You are my good, loving Father who will not fail, who will not forsake. And I am your child. And I praise you. God, we pray for you to push back the darkness that tries to intimidate us, that tries to make our heart shrink back. We say, I will not shrink back. I will not be afraid. I will not live in the lies of the enemy, but I will go towards you. I will move in confidence because of the Word of God that the one who called me spoke the truth, and the truth will set me free. The truth will begin to break every lie and bondage of the enemy. I want the reality, God. I don't want just the words. I want you to break through and let the reality of you be my Father, come upon me in fullness. Come upon my mind and change my thinking. Come upon my emotions and begin to release me from the chains of fear, insecurity, unworthiness, inadequacy that have been trying to hold me. Jesus Christ, liberate and transform. There are people here that you are saying come to me and I will... Lord, we praise you. Just stay there before him. Just stay there. Lord, draw my eyes to you. Draw my heart to you. Lord, you said it's by your faith you are made well. By your faith, Lord, we trust that what Jesus did That he made it possible that we that were far away have been now brought near. That we that were under wrath have now been adopted as sons and daughters. That we were spiritually dead. Now we've been made alive in Christ Jesus. It's not anything we've done. It's all been him. So we come near to you, God. We come near to you. We come near to you. We want your love to break through the hard places of our heart. We want your love to begin to break through the negative thoughts in our minds. We want your love to begin to transform even the very way we see ourselves. Just speak to him. God, we want to see the love that you have as a father for us as your child. We want it to come into the core of our being. Let it be, Jesus. By your word, this has been done. By your sacrifice, It says that we've been given the spirit of adoption. God, let it be in me. You said the spirit in me can cry out to you, Abba, Father. Just even call to Him, Father, I let you father me. I let you be my father. Daily life, ups and downs. As I come to prayer, I want to come to you as a father, a loving father, a perfect father, the only one that is good. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you. We pray you can release something today release something that can begin to grow like yeast and leaven and begin to spread throughout the entirety of our consciousness, of our thinking, of our emotions, of our our will, God, that there can be something that begins to break into us, that allows us to approach you differently, that sees you for more of who you really are. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We just bless your name. Yes, Lord.
0: Hallelujah. Thank you, Mark. Father, we thank you so much for all that you have brought to us. We thank you, Lord, for your word of truth. Jesus, we're asking that you take of these things and make them known to our hearts. That you would remind us of these things. The Lord, as we go into this week, this would not just be a faint memory of a message that touched our hearts. But Lord, it would be a living reality of your word of truth touching our lives moment by moment. And Father, you know, Lord, whether we have come to the front or whether we're staying in our seats, your truth can impact us wherever we are at whatever time of day if we open our hearts to you. And today, Lord, we say we are open to you And we want to know your love more and more in our lives. Thank you for loving us before we were born. Thank you for choosing us for your purposes. Thank you for never leaving us and never letting go of us. Thank you for continuing with us today, tomorrow, even unto the end of the world. Thank you that you are the lover of our souls and the lifter of our heads. We bless you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.